2: Your travel insurance
0: and prepare for takeoff. Hola, fellow travelers. Hola. Hola. Welcome to episode 101 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today we're taking you to five places in Mexico just south of the San Diego border. We love
1: Mexico. And one of the coolest things about living in San Diego is that we're able to walk or drive over and just a few minutes passes and you're in a whole different country. And it really does feel like an international country as soon as you cross that border. It's an entirely different culture. It's really fun to pop over there for food, drinks. You know, We love tacos. There's wine tasting. There's beautiful beaches. It makes for a great weekend getaway, great day trip. And there's a ton of different places in Mexico that are within day trip distance. And we're going to tell you all about them today.
2: Yeah, that day trip distance within our hometown here of San Diego. And I'm always just thinking about little adventures crossing the border. It makes it easy for us because we all have our global entry. So we don't have to really have that border weight line. But if you are visiting San Diego and you want to hop across the border, you don't have that global entry. You know, every once in a while, it's not that big of a deal to invest the time on the weight. And we've mentioned this before, Brittany and I have views of Tijuana from our home here in San Diego. So it's literally that close and i'm always so inspired to just do those border crossings and get food get drinks and just get a little bit of different culture quite literally in a new country and a whole new world just south of the border so i'm excited about this episode it's episode 101 and we're going to give you guys the 101 on what to do just a little bit south of the border here in san diego in mexico
0: All right, we're going to start you guys off with tips. We always love to start with the tip. Mexican tips.
2: Well, first Mexican tip I'm going to give you right now. Drinking age is 18. Most people probably do know this. Quite honestly, it's known that a lot of people, locals here in San Diego who aren't 21 yet, they go to Mexico to do drinking. So it's very popular in that regards just as well for the drinking age and the nightlife that comes with it.
1: We also have five places that we're going to mention today. Four of those are in coastal Baja, and then we have another one that's not coastal. But when you are driving coastal Baja, there are two main roads that will take you down south, Highway 1 and the Highway 1D. He's always better. Go with the D, the big D, because you'll be rewarded with coastal views, really nicely paved roads. There are different toll station stops along the way, and the tolls range from like around $2, $2, I think.
2: I think from Tijuana all the way to Ensenada, which is the furthest south we're really going to take you here, which is about an hour, 30, 45 minutes away from San Diego. Total tolls comes to like $10, quite honestly. Yeah. And it gives you those coastal views and it gives you the better paved roads. So it's definitely something that you should do. Absolutely.
1: You can still take the one. The roads just aren't as well maintained.
2: And not scenic.
1: And not scenic.
0: And on the 1D, there are pit stops for bathrooms that you don't have to pay for. They're free public restrooms, which you're not going to find in most of Mexico.
2: Yeah. And those are at the toll stations, mind you. So a little bit past the toll stations, you'll find those free public restrooms. And we've talked about this before. Everywhere in the world, except for the United States, charges for restrooms. So here you are in another country, and there's that exception to the rule on the toll road. Nice. Another good tip is to get yourself Mexican car insurance, just like it's required by law here in the United States to have car insurance. Even if you're an American driving your car over, you do need to have Mexican car insurance and how to get that. You can Google it online, find it. But the safest, most effective way that I would recommend is contact your own insurance company. Tell them that you're going to be going to Mexico. They can put you through a safe outlet. Believe me, all insurance companies know how to do that, know which insurance companies Mexico are the reputable ones that you should go with. So you can Google search if you trust your own intuition, but I would recommend going through your company, like I said.
1: Another thing I want to talk about is safety. From a lot of people, I've heard that Mexico's not safe or it's dangerous. And sure, there are certain parts of Mexico that you don't want to go into, certain parts of these towns that we're talking about, neighborhoods that aren't as good as others. So you should always be cautious. But for the most part, I have never had any issues in Mexico when it comes to safety and have felt completely safe the whole time.
2: Yeah, I can't stand when I hear people say that they think Mexico is unsafe. Now, granted, everything that you just said, Kim, is absolutely true. But if you are cautious about it, not flaunting money, not being stupid, it's like any other place in the world that's a tourist place. You can encounter those things, but I remember one time vividly when we went to New Orleans, and I went with Brittany, and they told us, literally, if you go one block over in the French Quarter, you're in a completely bad neighborhood. And like, this is somewhere in America, very popular tourist spot, and they tell you one block makes a difference and it could be absolutely dangerous. So Even here in the United States, in one of the most popular places to visit, you have that. It's just exercising caution and not being silly about it, but overall absolutely safe.
0: And with most of these towns being really, really close to the United States, we have another tip for you. Most of the places here that we talk about do accept American dollars or credit cards. And so you can use either one, but it's really nice to have pesos on hand if you do have pesos.
1: Not just really nice, but you'll often get a better exchange rate and better price on things you're purchasing with pesos.
2: That is for sure. And going back to what Brittany was saying about the credit cards, another just general tip when you're traveling internationally, always advise your credit card company that you're gonna be out of country, what dates. That way you don't have a lock on your card and they think it's fraud when you go. So that's And I a good
1: would tip. also recommend not relying solely on credit cards because Some of these places are known to have their credit card machines go down or tell you they're down because they don't want to run it for whatever reason. So don't plan to only rely on your credit card. And then of course, border towns, you're going to come back into the United States. So as you come back, just plan on a wait at the border. You can check border wait times on the official website of the border and There are different lines depending on the type of classification you have. If you have global entry, or sentry, or ready passes, there are different lanes for that. So make sure you get into the right lane. But depending on which border you're crossing at, it could be 30 minutes. It also depends on day and time too.
0: Could be four hours.
1: It could be 11 hours. I've definitely experienced that.
0: Oh, that's crazy. I think four is the longest I've waited. But yeah, it's an experience all in its own, and we'll get right into that in this episode.
2: Yeah, and if there's a long wait and you don't want to do it, check. That website, like you said, Kim, it's the official U.S. Customs and Border Patrol website. You can put what port of entry you're coming into, and it will give you those weights exactly like you just said.
1: Yeah, and it will tell you the average wait time on a typical day and the typical hour, but it, then it will also tell you what today is like and how that compares to the average.
0: So we're going to jump right into our first city and that is Tijuana, which is right across the border from San Diego. And like Jamal said earlier, we can literally see the Tijuana hillside lit up at night from our condo complex in our community.
2: I love it. It's beautiful. You know, people think Tijuana and they may have some misconceptions and goes back to the tip that we were saying earlier about some places unsafe, but I feel like any city in the world has that. So again, I just want to reiterate, put that out of your mind, but we're going with Tijuana number one, because it's the closest. If you're leaving from San Diego, this is the first place that you're going to come across right here. And I know when we first moved down to San Diego, one of the things that we did was go to Tijuana regularly just for the food and eat Mm -hmm. tacos. And that's one thing that I love about other countries that America lacks is the street food culture scene. We don't really have it here. If we do, it's food truck, which is good, but then it's also pricey at the same time. And there's something to be said about enjoying street food. And it doesn't have to be tacos. It could be tortas. It could be ceviche. It could be churros. churros. It could be really (laughs) anything. And that's half the fun is just doing and experiencing that.
1: What about TJ hot dogs?
2: I have not had a hot dog in TJ yet, Kim. you
1: need to. Well,
2: tell me what the TJ dog is.
1: TJ dog, you'll see the stands out on the streets. They are bacon-wrapped hot dogs. Mm. Sounds bomb already. Inside the bun, they put mayonnaise, ketchup, salsa, grilled onions, and they really just top it up. And it sounds disgusting, but after partying in some of these party neighborhoods in TJ we're going to talk about, that hot dog tastes real good. (laughs)
2: It already sounded good. I mean, to somebody, it may not sound the most appetizing, but you already had me with bacon wrap. The mayo, I could probably do a little bit without. I'm not sure how I I feel about that on a hot dog. No, I
1: feel the same way about mayo, but the way they do it, you have to get it like that. It is really good, actually.
2: Well, next time we go to TJ, TJ dog, it is, Kim.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tacos, there are a ton of taco stands in TJ. All of them are amazing. Like, do a taco tour and sample them all.
2: Yeah. And other than just going and eating the street food, one of the main places to go in Tijuana that a lot of people do is the Avenida Revolution, which is Revolution Avenue, if you can't translate that from Spanish to English. However, it is a very popular place filled with shops filled with restaurants, and so yes, you'll find the street food, but you'll find more high-end restaurants here, more mid-range restaurants, sports bars, regular bars. So this is really a main area in Tijuana's downtown that a lot of people congregate on. They even close down the street. I know last time we went, we went to a restaurant out there, which we're going to touch upon a little bit later. They had it closed down, so it makes it like this one big giant open promenade for people to walk, and it's really enjoyable.
1: Yes, and they also have rooftop bars here. (laughs)
2: You love a rooftop bar, Kim. Of course, you would mention (laughs) that. Have you been
1: to any of the rooftop bars? Yes, I have. They're beautiful. Which one? Honestly, I can't remember the name of it.
2: Too much drinking.
1: No, it's part of a restaurant. We'll do another episode and and I'll put that in there. But there's tons of restaurants to choose from, tons of bars to choose from. And there's people on the streets like trying to get you to come in with different drink offers and there's music everywhere. That is one of the main party areas. The second main party area I would recommend is Plaza Zapato, which is this big square area just filled with tons of different bars. And it's just bar after bar and lights and music. And it's so much fun.
0: What time does nightlife start there in Tijuana? Hmm, I would say once the sun goes
1: down, you're going to start to hear the music, and then it goes and goes, I think, around 4 a.m. or so.
2: And oh,
0: the, wow. Yeah.
2: A lot better than California's 2 a.m. call. And which Nashville. is really like 1.30, 1.45, right? Yeah. So you can go all night out there in Tijuana. And just real quick, we were mentioning La Avenida Revolution. That restaurant that we were talking about is called Caesars. And just so you guys know, This is the place that actually invented the Caesar salad. I'm not bullshitting you, this is real, you can really Google it, this is actual facts. Most people think it's Italian, but it was created here in Tijuana by an Italian immigrant who was in the United States, and when prohibition occurred here, he said, I'm leaving the US, I'm going to Tijuana, we can do some (laughs) drinking, he made his restaurant. And as a matter of fact, The Caesar salad was brought to Europe by part of the royal family when they were visiting Mexico, and they took it back and the recipe to Europe, and that's how it became popular in Europe. Google it, research it. That is 100% sure and true.
0: And I really wanted to go to Caesars, and we had been talking about it for a really long time. I know Kim had gone before, um, and Jamal and I were like, let's make a point to go there. And we had a friend come visit us, and we were talking about, like, did you bring your passport? We should go out to dinner in TJ. And she was like, yeah, actually, I did. So Kim, her boyfriend, myself, Jamal, and our friend Robin, we all crossed the border, went to Caesars to try it out. We all ordered the Caesar salad, which they make at tableside and it's an experience and show for you. The
2: dressing from scratch, everything from scratch, tableside for you.
0: Really good. They have amazing apps and really good food. And it's gonna be a lot cheaper than what you can find at any fancy restaurant here in the
2: US. Yeah and what I really liked about it also is they did have the outdoor patio dining like right on the avenida and they also had indoor, so you could get either or, and it creates a great ambiance. And this is, I don't want to say like super high-class fancy, but this is definitely an upper-scale restaurant. Mm. And for five of us to have our apps, the salads, all main entrees, I think wine. it was wine, right? We got two, two bottles, bottles, did we yeah. not? Came to $200, a little bit over that. And right? we got
1: a lot of apps too. Yeah. Lots and so
2: I want to reiterate, your money goes a long way over there, and it makes for an amazing time. Quite honestly, Two people can't even go to a restaurant here in the United States and do that for $200. We were five people.
0: Also from Caesars, you can see the Arc de Tijuana, which is one of the symbols of TJ. And you can see it just walking down that main street. So if you're in that area, be sure to take a look at it because it's very beautiful.
2: And another thing too if you want some mexican beaches they have las playas de tijuana which are the beaches out there you can catch a cab ride very very inexpensive it won't be more than about ten dollars and that's high end of scale and it will take you to their beaches they have all these waterfront restaurants shops things there it's really an activity to do is to go to their beaches there and it's really really fun too And the last thing that I kind of want to touch upon of something to do in Tijuana, I would be remiss if I didn't say this because it is something that Tijuana is very known and famous for. They do have a red light district down there, it's called Zona Norte. Zona Norte. And supposedly it really rivals what they have going on in Amsterdam. And now Prague is actually taking over Amsterdam as the new capital, like a red light district of the world. So honestly, the one in Tijuana and those two I just mentioned are really top three. So if that's your thing and believe me, there are a lot of Americans who go down there and partake in that. And from what I understand from people, even couples go down there and it's just something they go do and experience without partaking in the legal activities that they have down there. So it's a spectators event. And so just throwing that out there, that is there and something Tijuana is known for.
1: The second town on our list is Rosarito, and this is about a 30 minute drive from the border. And it is a coastal, beautiful town that you, again, want to take the Highway D to reach because that's going to take you on the scenic drive. But there's a ton of stuff to do there. The beach is amazing. There's tons of entertainment and food and drinks right on the beach. You can rent horses and ride them on the beach.
2: I think Zaina mentioned this on a previous podcast episode before. I and mean, we've mentioned our friend Nicole. They rode horses on the beach in Rosarito. So you can rent <laughs> horses, ride it on the beach, but they have all those activities that you were just you mentioning You can rent anymore.
1: ATVs and do the same thing. I was just there a couple of weeks ago for my boyfriend's birthday. We actually rented a condo in Las Caviotas, which is about 10 minutes south of Rosarito in a private gated community with its own private beach. And we went into Rosarito and spent some time there, but I've been there several different times. Actually, my first time ever leaving the country, I was 26 years old, I piled up my car with all my girlfriends and we drove down to Rosarito to meet a friend there. And this was a few years back. So we didn't have phones that worked in Mexico. We had written instructions on a piece of paper and the signs down there are not like the signs you would expect in the United States. So would be lucky if it even had a street sign. I don't know how we ended up finding the house or her. It was a freaking miracle.
2: It's like old school, like printing out <laughs> MapQuest directions or something, but yes. yours were handwritten. That's wild.
1: Yes. And I would also recommend using Google Maps and not iPhone Maps. Google Maps is much better in Mexico
2: iPhone maps, I'll tell you what, when they originally rolled out, they had so many glitches and I've never made my way back to see if they're good at all on Google well, Maps you, all day.
1: You are an Android user.
2: I am, but you know, <laughs> sometimes, I, you know this, I've mentioned this before, I like just randomly looking at maps. We have a MacBook and sometimes I will pull up Apple Maps and just like look at it, see their features and I am not a fan. I won't lie to you on that.
0: <laughs> I do like Google Maps and another tip for you guys in regards to Google Maps, if you don't have service in Mexico or TJ or Rosarito in general. If you are on airplane mode before you go, make sure to download offline maps and you'll be able to get around Mexico just fine using your offline maps if you have pre-downloaded that area.
2: Yeah, and just a little bit of perspective, Rosarito is about 30 minutes from the border, maybe 20 minutes from Tijuana along the coast. So if you start in Tijuana and making a day or more time down there, you would just head a little bit south. It's south of Las Playas de Tijuana that I had mentioned earlier. So Rosarito is really just a beach town area and they have all the fun Mexican activities that you would expect in Mexico there. And it's really nice.
1: Yeah, there's tons of bars and places to eat and drink during the day but there are also a ton of nightlife places to go out at night. They have the big papas and beer there. Little John plays there often. I actually saw Little John there (laughs) for spring break one year. And it's just really fun. A lot of young people. This is actually one of my favorite places in Baja to go because it's so close and you can really get a beautiful beachfront stay for very inexpensive.
2: Not only that, it's a very relaxed vibe. Even though it is close to Tijuana, the population is nowhere near what Tijuana is. So it's a lot more mellow paste that you're going to find there, which makes it really nice also. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I love it. There. I would definitely recommend checking that one out.
0: Hey, travelers, let's take a quick detour to talk all about our traveler itineraries that we've created just for you. We now have six different trip itineraries one week in Kauai, an American Southwest
2: weekend or road trip, a week in Yellowstone and Grand Teton national parks,
0: a road trip adventure featuring all three of Washington State's national parks,
2: Big Island, Hawaii, and an Arizona road trip that features all three of Arizona's national parks.
1: We are obsessed with these. These itineraries are 20 to 30 page PDF guides with every detail of the trip laid out. We're talking where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, and driving distance between attractions, plus what things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend and their mileage and the time to allow for each one and so much more.
0: We have story highlights on our Instagram at Travel Squad Podcast where you can see the full guides. We've done all of the research and have taken these exact trips, taking our all- all of the guesswork from the planning. So all that you have to do is show up and have fun.
2: Purchase your comprehensive Travel Squad podcast itinerary on our website at travelsquadpodcast.com. Best of all, they're on sale right now for $30. So travel on over and get yours today.
0: All right. So we're going to head Further south down the coast, down to Ensenada, Ensenada is about two hours away from TJ, and it's also really beautiful. They have beautiful beaches, and also known for La Bufadora, which we've talked about in previous episodes. Which is a big blowhole for anyone that needs that translation. But it's a part where you're on like a cliff, and the way that the water goes into that area, it blows up, and so it keeps pressurizing, pressurizing, and then all of a sudden, a big wave comes in and There's so much pressure. It blows all of that water up and everyone's just standing there watching like admiring the show.
2: It's like a natural ocean geyser in a way. So you're on the sea cliff and then it just comes in through that open hole. And other than just seeing that cool act of nature, La Bufadora is a very popular tourist attraction. So it's another place where you're just lined up with shops. You have souvenirs, you have restaurants, you have food all along the beautiful coast, and you see the sea cliffs and everything. So it's a whole experience. And on top of that, you get a unique piece of nature that you don't see every day along the ocean coast. And it's really, really fun.
1: I compare Ensenada a lot to Rosarito in terms of like, beaches and things to do there's a ton of restaurants and places to drink margaritas you can also ride horses on the beach here
2: i would say the main difference though is that ensenada is a larger city like rosarito it's not not a city but ensenada is a lot larger they have a cruise ship port here so it's geared up to tourists in that way also
1: Yeah, for sure. And they also have a lot of the same nightlife. They have a Papas and Beer down in Ensenada as well. So check that out while you're there. I still need to check out a Papas and Beer. I haven't been to one yet. You should go on your birthday because they'll make you a dick-shaped cake and sing happy birthday to you. Oh,
2: (laughs) that would make Britney's day. I'm sure of it.
0: (laughs) But Jamal and I have been to Ensenada and stayed there as well. And we got a hotel that had ocean views and the window was from the floor to the ceiling. And when we woke up, we could just lay in bed and look out to the ocean and just see the waves and the beautiful sky. And it was really, really nice. We didn't even have to get out of bed to enjoy our views.
2: Yeah, and there's lots of good restaurants in Ensenada. A couple of them that we really want to mention and highlight, if you're wanting like authentic Mexican food, taqueria style, one place that we always go to when we're in Ensenada is going to be the Taqueria El Trailero. And another fancier restaurant, if you're wanting a little bit more than a typical taqueria, is El Restaurante Punta Moro. And Punta Moro is actually a really large hotel resort that's along the coast. And they have a really nice restaurant. And we have eaten there once. It's along the rocks. You can see the waves crashing, the sunset because you're on the west coast. And you can just see it from there. It's absolutely beautiful. So I would highly recommend that.
0: So to get to Ensenada, you can either drive your car again down the Highway 1D or you can take a bus there as well that will get you down there for not much money. I think it's like $10 for the trip down there. But while you're driving from Tijuana down to Ensenada, a lot of times people like to stop in Puerto Nuevo, which is a place that Jamal and I have stopped in. It's a different town. It's in between and it's the lobster capital of Mexico. And that's why a lot of people stop there. So if you're into lobster and seafood, this is a great little city to stop in to get lunch or breakfast or dinner. And we went to a place called Villa Ortegas. We both got margaritas, tortilla soup, shrimp ceviche, a one pound lobster, which came with rice, beans and tortillas for like $40. It was amazing. That's amazing. I remember one year my
1: agency's Christmas party was in Mexico So they picked us up on a charter bus at 10 a.m., drove down to the next place we're going to talk about. But then on the way back, we went to Puerto Nuevo for a big lunch. We had a mariachi band singing to us in the restaurant. We had pictures of margaritas on the table. And then we got to walk around the little town afterwards. And it's really geared for tourism. There's tons of shops, people selling stuff, little trinkets and Mexican styled everything you can think of. So it's Mm -hmm. a good place to shop, too.
0: Do you remember what restaurant you went to?
1: No idea. By that time, no idea, no memory there. Well, had too
2: many beers at Papa's and beer, huh, Kim?
0: Uh, No, had too much wine at the next place we're talking about. Oh, okay,
2: that's right, that's right.
0: Yeah, so Via Ortega's is right on the water. So we saw out on the deck, which overlooked the ocean, and it was really nice.
2: It's a really popular place. I think they had three levels. They did. They had three levels to sit on the deck to get ocean views while you're having your lobster. Beautiful. I mean, they have a specific lobster season, but you're always going to get lobster there. But it's one of those things that if you're driving through, I would highly recommend stopping and do. You can't really get seafood like that here in the United States and all the stuff that Brittany just mentioned at that little bit of a price it's great
1: number four on our list is Valle de Guadalupe this is just a little bit east of Ensenada so about 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 two hours from the border and this is Mexico's wine country
2: It is the equivalent of Napa here in the United States. Valle de Guadalupe is Mexico's Napa. Tourists from the U.S. come, and obviously local tourists from all around Mexico come to this area here, Valle de Guadalupe. And we have a previous episode on this. That episode was episode 77. So we go into full, full detail on Valle de Guadalupe, but we have since gone back several times since that episode is aired and we recorded it. So, we want to give you a little bit more information of the new places and things that we did there that wasn't in that episode 77.
0: Yeah, so we've previously mentioned some of the wineries we've been to, like Cuatro Cuatros, Vina Cava, Dona Lupe, Domec, so many more. And we mentioned them all in that episode. And one other thing I wanted to mention before we talk about some of the other wineries we've been to in that area is that Valle de Guadalupe is still very rustic. You're going to be going down dirt roads and it has a very rustic feel, but it's it's so quaint and so beautiful, like being surrounded in the valley there. So one of the most recent wineries we went to was called Adobe Guadalupe. And this is a really, really nice winery. It's a beautiful white building with a blue top. And it has a wine tasting in the cellar that you go down to. Jamal and I actually got a private tour because the people that were supposed to be on our tour never showed up. So they just ended up going with the two of us. And as they're taking you down there, there's beautiful vineyards with a mountain backdrop. And I actually went out for a little photo shoot in the vineyards to take some really nice pictures.
2: Yeah, and I know you jumped right into that winery. But one thing I want to say real quick as a tip is that the roads out there, because you mentioned it is rustic, it is designed to be that way. I remember specifically asking our tour guide here at Adope Guadalupe, you know, are they going to try to pave the roads? Now, main roads are paved, but those side roads are still rustic dirt roads. And she was saying it's a battle between the municipality who wants to make things a little bit more modern so that they could cater to more tourists, but the locals like that feel to it. So it's not underdeveloped because they're not putting money into it. It's underdeveloped because they're trying to keep it that way, or at least the locals are to have that more homey feel to it too. So do keep in mind, you know, you're going to be on some dirt roads. You maybe want to bring a higher vehicle such as a Jeep, truck, SUV versus a low riding vehicle out there.
0: We also went to another winery. It was called Lomita and it was super cute. It had a outdoor deck that was partially covered, but it looked out to the vineyards and they had hanging succulents and the like hanging egg chairs and couches and things to sit on. So it was just like a really comfy cafe type setting. And we did a wine tasting there. And when we went, he was like, we have a three, four or seven wine tasting. And at first we were going to do like a four wine tasting. And then he brings out the first bottle. And I was like, actually, why don't we do the seven while we're here? So- there you go. I like that. <laughs> so
2: Brittany ended up getting absolutely trashed. I got which
0: trash is- because he was pouring those tastings. They weren't like an ounce. They were like two or three ounce pours. He nice. was like...
2: He was giving us like full glasses with each tasting. So he was being really nice. But what was really funny is, you know, and this goes to all the wineries, most of them. And by most, I would wager to say 90% of them require you to have a reservation. This isn't just a COVID thing. This is something because it's so popular. They do require you to have reservations. And so when we made reservations here at Lomita, we made it for the four tasting. So we thought we were just really going to get that. But even when we were there, he gave us the option. And then we were just like, well, we're spending the night. We're going to be going to dinner later on out here. Yeah, let's, let's have the seven tasting So we had a good time out there
0: yeah, so I got a little trashed. I was so glad that we actually stayed in the valley that time because we went back to our little Airbnb, which is a tiny house, which was super cute. And I took a little nap before we went out to dinner to Deckman's, which was quite an experience. It's a really nice restaurant that's outdoors and you can actually see the kitchen from like where you're sitting and you can like smell all of the food being cooked right next to you. The only downside is it's smoky from all of like the food being cooked right next to you. but it's really really nice food's excellent they have wine pairings and tastings there as well and we did a tasting menu and it was great
2: yeah really good I think that's one of the awesome things about Valle de Guadalupe also even if you are not a wine connoisseur or really wine person it is becoming a very very popular food scene place within Mexico so you'll find lots of good food out there and it doesn't even have to be Mexican food they have a lot of like European French American style restaurants and obviously yes you are going to come across Mexican restaurants, which is another one that we're going to talk about here. But the food scene out here, I can't stress enough how absolutely amazing it is. So even if you don't want to go for the wine, check out the food scene out here.
1: Finca Altazano is another restaurant I highly recommend. It's a huge property. They have big wine barrels you can climb up and take pictures on. It's vast. There's tons of places to sit. The food is really, really good. The wine is really, really good. Highly recommend that place. If you're to read a list of the top five places to eat in Valle de would be one, and Finca Altazano would be on that list.
0: And then another one would be La Cocina de Donna Estela. However, this isn't a place to eat like dinner. It's a place to eat breakfast. It was actually ranked the best breakfast in the world by Vice News. So Jamal and I were like, damn, we have to go check it out. And it happened to be that the time we went to go to Lomita Winery, we saw it going there because it's right along the way.
2: Yeah, I mean, while you're on the deck at Lomita, you have a view of La Cocina de Estella Estela. And we were really excited because, again, we love breakfasts. You know this. We talk about it all the time, but this one wasn't a breakfast buffet, but that's okay. Sometimes I like to order a la carte, which makes it all the more better. And on top of Vice News' ranking, it's even well known that Gordon Ramsay himself has come out there, had Doña Estela teach him some Mexican techniques. They have a photo of them together in the restaurant. Like, it's so popular it brought one of the most famous chefs in the world to be taught by her some Mexican cuisine techniques. So, really really recommend before we talk about the food if you don't get there in the morning when they open like at around eight o'clock i promise you you are going to be waiting in line in your vehicle on the dirt road for probably three four hours just to even get into the parking lot as you're waiting for the slow trickle of people to leave the restaurant so get there early otherwise invest literally half your day to wait to get in
1: Wow. That's crazy. In Valle, there are a ton of really cute places to stay. You guys mentioned you were in a tiny house, but there are so many unique stays there. You can find a lot of them on Airbnb. They have one that's this giant bubble.
0: I really want to stay there. It's
1: climate controlled. So there's AC and heating depending on what time of year you go. And there's a
0: bathroom in your bubble.
1: Yeah. And they have showers and the bubble is clear. So at night, When there's not a lot of light pollution out there, you can see all the stars beautifully from laying in your climate-controlled bubble.
2: Imagine that having a glass of wine going to bed. That's amazing.
1: And it's on the vineyard. And there's tons of other cute small places like that that are on the vineyard. There's some that are made out of giant wine barrels. Mm -hmm. There's some that just look like tiny houses sticking out of a cliff.
0: There's some glamping opportunities out there as well. On Airbnb, you can actually filter unique stays and have all of them pop up for that area that you're going to.
1: And they're fairly reasonable priced. So this is a must go to. You can do this as a day trip from San Diego. There's tours that you can purchase that will pick you up either on the San Diego side or the Tijuana side and you can also drive yourself down here.
2: That's true, and those tours, if they're not from a tour company, they have Airbnb experiences that do those tours where they'll pick you up from your hotel or wherever you're staying, take you to like three of the wineries, your drinks are included, it's your transportation, very, very moderately priced as Mm -hmm. well, so do check that out. Quite honestly, I would recommend, and I know we're only on number four, all five of the places that we're gonna mention here, but if you're gonna do one, I swear Valle de Guadalupe should be the one, quite honestly.
1: definitely. Which brings us to our fifth and final town in Baja that we recommend you visit from San Diego. This one is Mexicali, and we were just there.
2: Mexicali is, as Kim said earlier, you know, four of these five are along the coast here. Mexicali is further inland, so we went a little bit east from Ensenada to Valle de Guadalupe, this one is even further east, and this is not along the coast. Now, you can drive within Mexico and get here, but quite honestly, my recommendation is if you're going to be coming from San Diego, you head east on Interstate 8 to Calexico. From Calexico, you cross into Mexicali, and here you are now in another country. Now, a couple tips, though, about Mexicali is, like we said, it's further east. You're in the desert. It is hot, 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 hot. When we were there, it was 103 degrees, and And if you go during the summer, do expect that. And because it is that hot, a lot of places, especially where you're going to go, because we didn't mention what Mexicali is famous for yet, they have a lot of outdoor seating for that. So because it's hot during the summer, a lot of these places that we're going to talk about don't open up until later in the evening, like five, six o'clock.
1: We mentioned that it's hot in the summer and to expect that I would go a step further and say, do not come in the summer. (laughs) I would do not recommend you visit in the summer.
0: I wasn't sure we were going to last all day because it was so hot outside when we went like your eyeballs will be
1: burning. That's how hot it is.
2: But see, we live in San Diego and we're spoiled with the weather. Lots of people all across the U.S. right now are having 100 plus degree. We're from a hometown that had consistent 100 degrees. I think we've just gotten used to it. But point being, yes, it is absolutely hot out there. That you is can
1: for sure. enjoy Mexicali more if you do not go in the summer.
2: Go during the winter. We were talking about next time we go, it's going to be during the winter. So now that we talked about Mexicali a little bit and just those tips and the fact that it's hot, why don't one of you ladies tell our listeners what Mexicali is famous for and what brought us out there
0: so Mexicali is famous for breweries and Chinese food because apparently they have a big Chinese population and they have a lot of Chinese restaurants they actually even have a Chinatown in Mexicali and their craft brew scene is hyping up out there as well like we said there's a lot of different breweries and so we had a really specific plan we were going to go to a brewery then get Chinese food then go to another brewery and then Mm -hmm. go get Chinese food again.
2: From a different restaurant, mind you, and different breweries, mind you.
0: Brewery, Chinese
1: food, brewery. Chinese
0: food. That was our plan. So, you know, we get there and we're so glad to be sharing this with you so you don't make the same mistakes as us. And we look at the brewery and it says it's open on Google and we get there and they're closed and we get there at like 1130 and they're like, yeah, we don't open till five. We're like, oh no, what do we do?
1: Yeah. And then most breweries don't open till five. So we were like, holy shit, how are we going to go brewery Chinese food, brewery Chinese food if none of them are open?
0: So we had to change our plan a little bit. And we ended up getting Chinese food first. And so we ended up doing Chinese food, brewery, brewery, brewery.
2: (laughs) And no other second Chinese food, which is another reason why we need to go back. But I love Asian cuisine. I love Chinese food. And even though Chinese food is Chinese food, you know, it's going to be catered a little bit different to the local tastes, right? Like Mexican Chinese food sounds weird. But let me tell you something. We had a bomb Chinese experience. What was the name of the restaurant again that we went to, ladies?
1: The name of the restaurant was El Rincon de Panchito.
2: And what did we get?
1: We got a lot of good food. I was very impressed with the food here.
2: So was I, like super, super impressed.
1: And first, I just want to say San Diego does not have good Chinese food. We've lived here for a long time and we have not found a good Chinese restaurant. And everyone in San Diego says the same thing, which is why we were excited to go to Mexicali. And we went all out at this place take us through the spread. So we were gonna do you know brewery chinese food brewery chinese food and so we were gonna eat a little bit from each place but since we had to start here and there was no turning back we went all in we got orange chicken mm-hmm. pork fried rice yep veggie egg rolls mm-hmm. chicken
0: lettuce wraps those are really good
1: and six beers
0: all <laughs> for 55 dollars
2: what a deal honestly
0: and the plates were massive I mean huge we portions. had huge portions of the orange chickens huge portion of the fried rice that fried rice was towering and there was four of us and there was leftovers of everything that we had
2: and even those lettuce wraps that we talked about they were basically kind of like fried noodles with the chicken on top and you wrap it in the lettuce you know your homemade spring rolls in a way if you will and even though that was listed as an appetizer, the plate was huge. The mm-hmm. portion sizes were absolutely crazy out there. And since we weren't able to go to a brewery first and it was already hot by the time we got there around 1130, 12 o'clock, we needed to have some beers. So we had some beers while we were there also. But to get all that food, six beers, $55, what a steal. Again, want to reiterate the value that you can get in terms of drinks and food down in Mexico.
1: So we filled up. We ate as much as we could there and killed some time. We went over to Costco to get some gas there. So there's another tip if you want some cheap gas.
2: Yeah, go to Costco. They have a Costco in Mexicali.
1: (laughs) And then we went to brewery, number
2: one. Brewery number one. This was Cerveceria Chapultepec. Now, if you don't know Spanish, Cerveceria just means like a big beer place. If you ever hear something with Iria at the end of it, like Taqueria... Panoría, Yes, <laughs> it means it's like a place that serves specifically that cervezas beer. So figure out what cervecería means, right? So cervecería Chapultepec. This was the only place that we really found that had opened early and by early it was like one o'clock and so we're like all right we're gonna have to really go now this one is quite honestly a chain they have a cerveceria chapultepec here in Tijuana I know they have one in Mexico City they have one here in Mexicali so it is a chain but it is still a nice restaurant to go to and have just different style Mexican beers they do also have their own line just as well so Unfortunately, this place wasn't one of the localized breweries that they have out here in Mexicali, but because it was one of the few places to open early, we had to go. And we got five margaritas, which seems odd considering we were at a cerveceria, but you can't go to Mexico and not get a margarita. We had five beers. We got some appetizers, even though we had Chinese, a couple sliders. And all of that was for $15. You want to know why? Because everything on the menu is 23 pesos. And if you don't know, rough equivalent, 20 pesos is one US dollar. So we got pretty much everything there for like a dollar and 10 cents.
0: It was amazing. And the mango margaritas were so good. They were really good. I just
2: want to reiterate, Kim's boyfriend was with us on this one. So that was four people. All three of us aren't motoring through all that. So I just want to reiterate this Mexicali trip and everything we're talking about, four people here for all this stuff.
1: So after we overstayed our welcome there, we moved on to brewery number two.
2: Yes, Cerveceria Icono.
0: I really liked this brewery. It was a really quaint, rustic feel inside. It was really nice, really spacious. And in the 100 degree heat, they had nice fans and AC Mm -hmm. going. So that was a plus. And here we got one pizza, margarita pizza, which had eight slices. We got fries. We had eight beers amongst the four of us. But they also had other options like barbecue and other pizza items and other things on the menus, burgers, things like that. And total here, we only spent $40 for all that we got. That is crazy because even
1: four beers in San Diego would be $40, and we got eight beers plus food
0: plus
2: food (laughs) you know I really like this place for two reasons one because it really is a local brewery to the area in Mexicali which was one of the whole purposes and reasons why we went you know San Diego has a craft brew scene it's probably the best in the United States I'm just going to come out and say it it's the reality of it and so this brewery out here reminded me of a nice place. San Diego it had that awesome feel that you were talking about on the inside the beer was absolutely amazing we all each got different styles beers tried each other's they were all very good the food was also just as delicious as well and so this was a really really good place very large interior also so it makes a really awesome lively experience that we had while we were in there
0: Jamal, tell us about the urinal in the bathroom.
2: Oh my gosh. I went to go to the restroom as most people have to do when you're drinking and let alone having beers for that matter. And I came out and I just kept raving like, oh my gosh, that's like the coolest urinal I've ever used the restroom in. And then I pulled out the photo because I had to take a photo of it. It was a keg cut open that was made into a urinal mounted up on the wall like any traditional urinal. I know it sounds silly, but like I was really enthralled with the theme that they had going on in the restroom for that. I liked it a lot.
1: You guys can see a picture of this keg urinal on our website, TravelSquadPodcast.com for the page that we have on this episode.
0: And did you notice the lights that were coming down over the table were made out of beer bottles? Oh yeah. They had so much cute decor. They had really cute decor. They had a big giant
1: mural, this beautiful lady. They had a bunch of Cerveza Ria signs.
0: And then we were sitting right next to where the pizzas were being made and the pizza oven. And so it was just a really nice time. And it was still cool over in that corner because we had some fans hitting us directly.
2: You know what I find funny is obviously I know we mentioned we were going to go get Chinese food because of that. And we did. And we didn't get that second round like we talked about. But it's hilarious. Each brewery that we went to, we always ended up getting more food because it just looked and was so good and so cheap. And it was just like, well, we're here and we didn't get that second round of Chinese. So again, we got to go back for that.
1: Well, it also needs to be said that we went on this trip in July. And at that time in Mexicali, COVID restrictions were still very much in place. And they did have rules. You had to order food with your drinks.
2: Yeah. Kind of like how it was here in California. Mm hmm. That, that is very true so we tried to get little smaller ones but as time went on we had a few more drinks they became larger items that we that, ended up getting and we
1: enjoyed eating it, it was good <laughs> it, it was
2: all good and right after cerveceria icono right across the street another cerveceria how can we not go from one side of the street to the other and just experience it it was 686 cerveceria
0: this was probably my favorite me too Of the breweries that we went to It was really cute on the inside They had this beautiful black couch With these really comfortable pillows And then you know there was like This coffee table in between us And it was just a really relaxing vibe Very lounge vibe Very lounge Their AC was on a blast It was cold in there (laughs) That was the
2: coldest point You know when we went inside We're like oh yeah this is great And then honestly after five minutes I said to myself I'm not going to say it's too cold Because (laughs) we've been complaining About how hot it was So I just accepted it and was thankful for it but after a while sitting inside I was just like man it's It's actually like really a little too cold in here, but you got to be really lucky to sit on the inside. We got there early kind of when they had opened up. And so those comfortable couches that you ladies are talking about, they were wide open for us for the taking, but there's very limited interior seating. Most of it is geared up to be outside patio, which, you know, once the sun went down, it was still warm out, but it was definitely like, okay, I could be out here if I had to, but an awesome atmosphere with the strewn lights going across and just that party vibe, everyone having fun, having drinks, live music. Yeah, this place was on 0.686 Cerveceria
1: when we got there we walked right in got the couch spot when we left there was a line
2: to get in
0: yes there was yeah people were lining up outside
2: why don't you ladies tell everybody what we got and how much we paid here I mean we got a lot at this place this was the most expensive by far but if we do the total here we uh we spent definitely the longest here we too. spent the longest here and got the most stuff here too so that makes sense yeah, also
1: this was the most of all our favorite we got the most food and drinks we spent the longest time here it was the coldest we got four waters. You have to pay for water in Mexico. They don't give you tap water. So we got four waters. We got a plate appetizer of pork belly. Brittany, Louie, and myself had not one, but two rounds of tequila shots. I Ooh. was
2: DD. Otherwise, I would have partaken. And again, another reason why I want to go back. I want to partake in those tequila shots and we'll spend the night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The City Express, right? <laughs>
2: City Express.
1: We also got eight beers between the four of us one carne quesadilla that was freaking amazing really
0: good yes
1: and two sliders which are also really amazing they
2: were good size sliders and they were delicious by the way
1: oh and they came with fries too oh yeah like the little potato wedges yes so for all of that it came out to about a hundred bucks
0: I can't even imagine what that would cost here in the United States. Eight beers in San Diego would cost you about 80 bucks.
2: I know. Let's just be nice and say it's an $8 beer instead of 10 and put it at 64. But that's still crazy. That's more than half and just the beers and not even including the food. Mm
0: -hmm. And we got six shots of tequila. So, I mean, those alone. And I think you
2: guys order top shelf tequila, too. I mean, if you got regular tequila, and I'm not saying, well, cheap stuff, but, you know, mid-grade... The bill could have been a lot lower. I didn't really pay attention on the receipt to see how much each shot was, but I know Louie had ordered top shelf.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Mm, I didn't catch that, but it was good. It was good tequila.
0: Yeah, so total cost for our entire day in Mexicali for the Chinese food, all of the drinks we had at all three breweries and all of the food that we had came to $210, and that included 27 beers, five margaritas, and six shots of tequila and all of the food we talked about. That's amazing. For simply eating and drinking on the
1: cheap, I would highly recommend Mexicali, but again, not in summer.
2: Yeah. And I just want to say, like, honestly, Mexicali. You're really going to go here for what we described, to have the unique culinary scene of Chinese food within Mexico. They're famous for it, not just like locally, but throughout Mexico because they have that big population in that area.
1: La Chinisca in Mexicali is the biggest Chinatown in Mexico.
2: Yes, and obviously the craft brew scene. So this is really a culinary scene place. Other than that, quite honestly, there's not a lot to do in Mexicali. But if you're going to be going for the food scene and the drink scene, this is a fun place. Place to go especially as we're saying during the winter.
1: Jamal did you tell the listeners the history behind why there are so many Chinese restaurants there?
2: I did not and now you've kind of put me on the spot. I don't oh, remember. Am I, I going to give you I, a Yeah please lesson? do. I read on why there was a big population there and I have forgotten it so refresh my memory and let the squaddies know.
1: Well, it will come back to you. So in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when the railroad was being developed, a lot of Chinese people, and I did read it was some from the Hong Kong region specifically, migrated to this part of the United States, Mexico area to build the railroad through the United States. And then once that was done and the work kind of went away, they just settled right there in Mexicali. And
2: now that you say that, that refreshes my memory. And I think they settled in Mexicali because they were told that they would be paid higher wages for whatever normal work they would do now that the railroad's done versus what they would be paid wage-wise in the United States. It's ringing a bell to me now. So very, very interesting on that. And I think I even read something that because there was a large population, people who continued to come in the 20th century, so like the 1900s, went to that area because mm-hmm. there was already a population of mm-hmm. Chinese. Yeah. Yeah, it all came back to me. You were right.
1: I love how things like that, like the railroad or different like development projects in not just the U.S., but in the world, affect migration and affect things like for hundreds of years later. It's so interesting. Actually, in Valle, when we did the guided tour there, Valle de Guadalupe... The guy that was giving us our tour was telling us there's a big Russian population there. Mm -hmm. A lot of Russians have migrated there. And then we mentioned TJ, the Italians that migrated there and made Caesar's Restaurant. So so
2: interesting. Mexico is very
1: diverse. You may not expect that, but it totally is.
2: I think a lot of people have a misconception that, you know, people from other countries want to go to certain places in Europe or obviously here in the United States. But believe me, Mexico is a very big immigrant-fueled country in terms of its diversity, so...
0: There's also a lot of Lebanese in Mexico as well. Really?
2: That there is. The richest man in Mexico is of Lebanese descent. Oh, wow. Yes.
0: So, you know, although you go to Mexico, you have a really great time. You have to come back to the U.S. at some point. And that is an experience all in itself.
1: Crossing back the border. I will say Mexicali's border crossing. I think we were in and out within 30 minutes. It was very simple.
0: But the Tijuana one, that's a whole (laughs) nother story. That is an experience in its own like Kim said earlier, she's been in line for up to 11 hours. When we went to Caesars just for dinner on a Saturday night to just cross back over, it was a four hour wait.
2: Now keep in mind that 11 hour and four hour, we went with people that didn't have global entry. If we have our global entry, we're in there real quick and fast in and out, right? Yeah, But- That 11 hour is an abnormal day. So Four is two and we went on a weekend. So on a weekday, it's going to be better. I just want to throw that out there so I don't discourage people from going to Mexico.
1: Right. Weekdays are typically better. went to Caesars on a Wednesday night for dinner and we came back within 20 minutes. The 11 hour situation and another situation I had at eight hours were both on three day holiday weekends for the United States coming back on a Monday night. Oh, okay. So that is what you want to avoid at all costs. Louis and I actually went over New Year's and So we came back on a Friday, and that's usually when everyone's going in. Mm -hmm. It was extremely fast and easy to get back into the U.S. So you'll want to time it right coming back across.
2: Yes, but let's talk about the border experience while you're waiting in the car to cross. You'll maybe even see this in the walk-across standing line, but more specifically in the car line. What are we going to see, ladies?
1: Tons of people selling stuff. I mean, you can get anything from like a tequila dispenser with matching shot glasses to a giant... (laughs) Wicker laundry basket, which we have both purchased.
0: And those were great purchases. (laughs) They really were. (laughs) You can even buy a little baby puppy. Oh my god, that's like one of my favorite parts when they come up with the puppies, and we're like puppies, and they they hand you the puppies, and the puppies start cuddling you, and you're just loving on them. I know they're so cute. They're so cute. They
2: dress them up to be really cute, so you could play with them in the car, and then you know they'll take them back. These puppies, they show vaccination cards and that they're fixed and all that stuff too. But that's a fun experience. If you didn't get enough food, you want food in your car, they have people that are runners. You tell them what you want, they'll go get it for you. You could get tacos, you could get tortas, you could get your churros. you can get whatever you want while you're waiting in line. Like, honestly, that makes the line wait as sucky as it is tolerable because it's its own experience coming back.
0: You can even buy beers to mm-hmm. get delivered to your car. You can. Long.
1: And that's the other thing is anything you want, you can ask someone and they will run and go get it for you. And you can trust them, too. If you give them your money, 100 percent, they're coming back.
0: Seriously, they they hustle out there and they're like, they're really good. They follow your car and they know what's up. They'll come back to you.
2: They do. But quite honestly, at the same time, if you're a little hesitant to give somebody money and wait for them to come back, I swear if you tell them I'll pay you when you come back, they have more incentive to They were going to come back anyway. But if you need that comfort factor, just ask for it.
1: Yeah, but honestly, you have nothing to worry about. Like we said, it's safe. And these people, like, I think... That's something that irritates me about a lot of Americans' perception of Mexicans, that they're this or that, but I find them to be some of the most honest, kind, very kind, generous, mm-hmm. will go out of their way to help you, just genuine people.
2: I mean, when you cross the border and you see everybody doing what they're doing that we're talking about as the experience coming in, they're hustling they're working. You see it. You have to respect that work ethic because I know a lot of people don't actually have it. So it's awesome to to see in a fun experience coming across. I would get tired of it if I waited 11 hours like you did for <laughs> that, Kim, but still it would have made the first four tolerable. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, when we were there with Robin, she bought sandals for her mom. She bought like a Chucky statue. (laughs) Ew, that was creepy. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot of things. We got like five bags of churros while we were there. (laughs) Lots of candy, tacos, tacos, beer, everything. We got the whole works. It was quite the experience.
2: (laughs) Any final thoughts, ladies, on our five south of the border that we gave everyone the 101 on episode 101 on before we get to questions of the week?
0: That's all for me. I would just say, you know, if you haven't been to Mexico and you live anywhere close to San Diego and Tijuana, go down and experience it. It's super safe. We've had a great time and it's a really beautiful place to visit.
2: Yeah, I would say don't let negative stereotypes or misconceptions hinder you from going to Mexico. I promise you, you're going to have a really good time. It's going to be an experience that you love.
1: All right, well, let's get into questions of the week. Yeah. Yeah our first question is coming from miriam from oceanside and miriam asks, is asking is there anywhere just south of the border that you haven't visited but want to visit
0: There's actually a place that I've been wanting to visit that is south of the border. It's just not south of the San Diego border. It's south of the Texas border. So on the American side, there's Big Bend National Park. And if you cross the Rio Grande, it'll take you into Boquillas de Carmen, which is a cute little village that you can visit. You can go across the Rio Grande via ferry, and then you can take a donkey into town or take a truck. (laughs) But I think that'd be a really cool experience. And it, I think it's really unique to be able to cross from a national park into another country. That is cool. Very cool experience. But right now it's currently closed due to COVID. So I am watching and waiting for them to open back up. Nice.
2: Yeah, Miriam, there's lots of places in Mexico that I want to go to in terms of just south of the border. Not necessarily. I feel like the good ones are here on the, the West Coast where we're at, minus what Brittany had just mentioned. So most of my places are on the interior, quite honestly, not along the border.
1: Miriam, I'm gonna hook you up with something that I wasn't going to share on this podcast because I kind of wanted to keep it a secret. But in Rosarito, or just south of Rosarito, there is a little gated resort community called Las Rocas. And if you wanna feel like you're in Cabo, but you're just 30 minutes south of San Diego, this is the place to go. It's guarded, gated, beautiful. There is a infinity pool Mm. right on the cliff of the ocean. There are lounge chairs. There's a beautiful like Tiki Hut bar right on the ocean. There's a restaurant places to eat. It has a spa. It is the most beautiful getaway you can even imagine. And it's just 30 minutes south of San Diego.
0: I can't wait for us to go there.
1: Me too. It's
0: mm, going to be amazing. So our second question comes from Tony H. from Carlsbad, and he says, you've mentioned global entry and TSA pre before, but how do you get it?
2: So that's a really good question, Tony. The first thing you want to do is get in front of a computer and you want to go to either the Department of Homeland Security's website or Custom and Border Patrol. Custom and Border Patrol is under Department of Homeland Security, so either one will be good and you want to find the link that talks about their trusted traveler program. And from there you can go ahead and do the application process as it stands. Now it's a hundred dollars for five years. You do the application online, pay your fee, answer the, Questions that they have, which are really background questions on you, and then basically goes to somebody to review. They make sure what you say to them is accurate. They do a background check on you. And then, if you are approved, they let you know you have to go to a certified place where they will conduct an interview with you, fingerprint you. They'll tell you where all that is should you get approved. But that is the process to get your global entry, which then gives you the TSA pre on top of that. So Basically, the application process is all online for you. $100, five years, well worth it.
1: It's not all online though. You do the online portion, they approve you, then you have to go in for that in-person interview.
2: Right, the getting started is all online. Like I was saying, you do have that interview process, yes, and they'll let you know where you have to go. You schedule an appointment for that. And if you have to schedule, that's good news because if you don't get approved, they won't even bother to tell you, come in for the interview.
1: And that's a good point. Not everyone gets approved. So if you've had things from your past, past criminal record, it's likely you won't get approved. It depends though. But in your interview, they may ask you about certain things that are pulling up in your record. I think poor credit could also be something that they look at. Huh. It's essentially the government doing a background check on you. So not everyone gets approved. And your $100 doesn't come back if you apply and you don't get approved. That's good to know. All right. Well, that is our episode for the week. Thanks for tuning in with us. Keep the adventures going with us by following us on Instagram and YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast tag us in your adventures and send us in your questions of the week
2: if you found the information in this episode to be useful or if you thought we were just plain funny please be sure to share it with a friend that would enjoy it too and as always guys please subscribe rate and review our podcast and tune in every travel tuesday for new episodes
0: stay tuned for next week's episode we have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you bye Squatties. bye
2: adios